Good morning, everyone. I cannot remember the last time I have been up this early doing a talk, so very excited about it. So today we're going to be talking about workplace culture. You're going to learn about me after. Um, let's get right into the talk. So I want to see how you guys are going to respond to this. Every single one of you here is the average of the five people you spend the most time with in your office. Raise your hand if that scares you. Honest, be honest. And if you're raising your hand, I want like full hands, not like half hands. Yeah. It makes sense, right? So according to Mr. Rome, we are, if you think about averages, we can only be the average of who we surround ourselves with. And when we talk about workplace culture, what exactly do we mean? It is not, and you know, um, I'm sure some of you will chuckle when you hear this, it is not when you walk into an office and you see bean bags. That is not workplace culture. It is not when you walk into an office and they have post-its everywhere and they're like, we brainstorm. That is not workplace culture. And workplace culture is not the values framed on the wall saying we live our company values. That is not workplace culture. Workplace culture are the habits of every single person under confined space. So everybody who is walking around in your office, they show up with some values, some kind of behavior, and that creates habits. So the sum total of all of those habits under a roof is what makes up your workplace culture. You can tell me anything other than that, and if I walk into your office and your people have different habits to what you're saying, then that is a reflection of the truth of what your workplace culture actually is. Not what you have on paper as your missions and your values and we have a pool table in the reception area. Right? Why is this important? How much time of our life do we actually spend in the workplace? Who knows? A third, that's right. Who answered? You did. And how do we spend our other time? What do we spend another one third doing? Sleeping. Sleeping. So basically, the other one third is for the other stuff, right? The family outside of the office. But one third of your life in an office and you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with in your office, pretty much tells you a lot. And why you need to pay so much attention to your workplace culture. Now, if workplace culture, according to my definition, are the habits of everybody within your office, we all know that habits can be good and bad, right? How many of you smoke here? Bad habit, bad habit. How many of you complimented someone already this morning? 
good habit. How many of you micromanage in the office because you can't trust anybody to do it right, as you would? I, be truthful. I used to, I used to, not anymore. <laughs> okay, so we have a lot of bad and good habits through everyone in the workplace. And a lot of you might think, how many of you think, well, I work in a really bad workplace, but I'm different. How many of you truly believe that? Raise your hand. Come on. Right? You actually think you can isolate yourself from what's happening in your work environment. I'm about to prove you wrong. So here's what happens. When you go into a new workplace, there's a period called socialization, right? It's how you enter a workplace. <clears throat> some of you are just thrown right in and you gotta fend for yourself from day one and some of you are eased in. But here's what happens. We are highly social beings. So what happens is that we start mirroring without even acknowledging it to fit in because we want to be accepted. And here's what our brain does. Our brain, and it's a time period, so it can be as little as 21 days of us being in an environment, or it can go as long as eight months. So there's a very famous study by this, by a plastic surgeon. So some of us, within 21 days, we're highly sensible to the environment we're in, our brain actually creates a new neuron so a neuron is kind of like a zap, a pathway, like a road that says, here's what you do now when you see this. And you start mirroring ideas. So for example, you had a certain way you did something. How many of you have been guilty of saying, well, this is how we do things here, right? We create a new pathway and it's not that we consciously, our brain actually does it. Our brains are really, really lazy. So our brain is saying, instead of me trying to process stuff new all the time, well, this is how they do stuff here. Let's me, let me create a new highway. This is how I'm going to do it. This is how I'm going to think here. This is how, uh, you know, we don't, I, I recently had a situation in a particular office where everyone would walk in and nobody would say good morning to each other. And I would walk around to each office, you know, I'm working, developing their employees, and I would walk around to each office and say good morning to the employees. And the first day, everybody kind of looked at me a little strange. The second day, I did it. The first week, every time I would go into the office and I would say to the staff, good morning. You know, it was like, what is, what is wrong with her? Why? And what happened was really interesting because I knew I had to do it for 21 days before someone my really susceptible ones would actually start mirroring what I was doing in. And like clockwork, day 21, I had a young guy in the fleet department come out and he started walking around and around lunchtime and he kept going to him and, hi, how are you today? How's your day going? And I knew because it just takes that one or two, because remember, we're social. So once as you get those one or two doing it, the others start mirroring eventually. So it was really, really interesting. So this is what happens to you. So even though you think 
I think it was you and you, that you are isolating yourself subconsciously, your brain, because it's lazy, so it doesn't want the work that every single day you get up and you're putting on a bubble mask going, I'm going into battle. I am not going to take on any of those habits in that office. That's a lot of work. So what your brain does is it says, let me create an exit here to make this easy for me that looks similar to the other exits in the office. And you actually start doing that. Right? That's what is called that habit loop. It's called a cue, a routine, and a reward. So a habit loop, which is what your brain tries to do with everything throughout your entire day, you know, so how many of you are guilty of having a sweet tooth at some point during the day? Yep. Right? So there's a cue. And if you, you can isolate your cue, sometimes it's at a certain time every day. For me, it's three o'clock. And you have a routine because you have a neural path that says when you feel this, you do this. And then you have a reward, right? So the reward is, I feel really good with that chocolate. Like chocolate solves every problem in the world. It's the same thing with smoking. It's the same thing with activities in your office. When I see this person and he asks me for this, this is how I normally will respond to him. And the reward is, well, yeah, I get him off my back. We start doing it with people. We start setting up the habits and all of these things make up your workplace culture. When habits are concentrated and bad, that's when you're in a toxic culture. And what happens when our bodies are in a toxic culture? You know, it's really interesting. You know, everything we have is right here. We start producing something called cortisol. Cortisol is when we start having anxiety, fear, stress, and our body produces this drug. And normally this drug only is supposed to happen in our body like very quick. So cortisol is that same drug your body produces. For example, if a car is coming and you jump back and you're just completely exhilarated and it's just like, beware. What happens is when you're in a toxic workplace, your body is dripping it all the time. You're always on guard. You're always, and that's when some of us actually physically get sick. Some of us physically get sick. It's not a good thing. How many of you think truthfully that you are in a really positive, good workplace? Yes, I am. For myself, I don't work for somebody. Okay. You are. Okay, so there are two of you, three of you. How many of you know that you're in a toxic workplace? Raise your hand. And toxic meaning there is that level of cortisol dripping every day. The rest of you who have not raised your hand. For me, it doesn't affect because I, I think I can live in whatever the environment. I can keep myself composed and I can be friendly. That's what I feel. Okay. It doesn't affect me doesn't affect you. And that's okay. You think so. <laughs> you think so. Another thing to recognize in a workplace is we have three types of people. 
in the workplace. We have givers, we have takers, and we have matchers. Who do you think is the most successful in an organization? So you say takers. You say givers. Who's at the bottom? Who loses? Matchers. The givers are at the top and the bottom in every single study. What's the difference between a top giver and a bottom giver? Do you know? So first of all, let me tell you what a giver is, and then I'll give you the answer. Yeah. yeah. So a giver generally does not believe in a win-lose situation, which is what a taker does. So a taker basically says, if you win, it means I lose. Right? That's a taker. So a taker believes in, in there's only a small amount of resources, a small amount of positions, and it's up to me to get there. That means I need to push you down to get there. That's a giver. I mean, that's a, sorry, a taker. A giver believes in a win-win type of situation. That's the giver at the top. The giver at the bottom is the one who, and we all know these types of givers, believe in the self-sacrifice. I am sacrificing so that you can, and there's this angst about the giving. So they're giving, they're not expecting anything in return, but they're giving at their own cost in a really negative way, in a self-sacrificing way. The matcher are the ones in the, comp in the company that I'll do something for you, but I'm expecting something in return. And we all know those people in the company, right? Matchers are actually the majority in a company. Matchers actually come out on top in the short term. In the long term, when you're building a reputation, it's the givers. I mean, I want you to think about your last job or think about your current job. And who is the person, if you had to move on, would you recommend for something? Would you um, keep in mind that you want to keep in touch with? It's probably someone who went out of their way to teach you something or to help you out in a situation. It was a giver. It was a giver. So corporate culture is heavily impacted on whether the scale is more to givers, <clears throat> takers, or matchers. So now that we know all of the, you know, all of the negative things in terms of the, the, the things that are impacting our corporate culture, how can you, so for those of you who say that I am not impacted by it, how do you protect yourself in terms of not being impacted as much or even changing corporate culture? Because many of you, as you remember mirroring, as I just said to you, you have the possibility to actually change your corporate culture. So there are three things I want to talk to you about very, very quickly. One is priming. Who knows what priming is? This is one way you protect yourself when you walk into your company every single day. Does anybody know? You cannot Google it. <laughs> what is priming? Like preempting or preparing. That's right. I'm going in. Yeah, so here is, I'll give you five or six ways to prime. So priming is something that you need to do every single day if 
you do not want your day to happen to you. Many of us, a whole day goes by and we were busy all day and the end of the day happens to us and we're like, where did the day go? That's when your day happens to you. You're busy being busy. So here is how priming works. There are a couple of tools for priming to protect yourself in the workplace. Number one, all the studies, and when I talk about studies, these are for my Harvard organizational behavior class. I'm gonna give you guys um, some less academic books that you can read for the areas that you're interested in. Um, I brought them with me. I'm kind of like a nerd, so I always walk with books. Um, so for the readers in here, I will, uh, this is my book. I will be giving to someone later on. Um, so the first thing is those of us who reflect every morning on our values and set our intention for the day, two minutes. Actually prime ourselves to not be impacted as much by our environment. And here's how you do it. Three A's. Every morning you figure out what is your aim for the day. You figure out the attitude you want to have to accomplish that aim. What do you want to see more of that day? And what are you going to give attention to? Everything else that is not in that intention and matching your value, you don't give your attention to. It's almost like you're isolating what you want to see more mirrored. So you actually start conducting yourself in what you want, how you want people to respond to you in kind. The second thing, I like, it's called the if and then. So most of us have certain people that trigger us in the office, right? And if we have to leave it up to ourselves to deal with it at the time it happens, we get off balance. So in, I want you to think about who that person is or what that situation is and think beforehand, if this happens, then this is what I'm going to do. And prepare beforehand how you're going to react to something. Because remember, if you react to it at that moment, you're off balance. That person or that thing just flusters you. So if you use the if and then, and you use if and then for many things in your life. Like I use it for working out. So I hate working out. But what I do every morning is I know that when I wake up, I will put on my running shoes and my workout, you know, first thing in the morning at six, seven o'clock in the morning. And I can't take it off unless I, what, I had gone to 20 minutes on a treadmill or, so that w that's my if and then priming. Because if I left it up to me to decide I'm going to exercise today, it's not gonna happen, right? So that's another way you prime. Figure out what are the triggers are in the office and use that if and then, this is how I'm gonna respond. Another way to prime is we all have something, whether it's from our childhood, that takes us to a really happy place. A song, a food. You know, I'm from the Caribbean, Trinidad and Tobago. I have this song by this group called Three Canal. It doesn't matter how terrible life is, I can go listen to that song and all of a sudden I'm in a happy place. When you get unbalanced during the day, find that one thing and figure out what that one thing is. It can, it can be a song, it can be a, a movie, it can be something that you can just go to very, very quickly to just shift your brain, to just click you back to a balanced state. That's an awesome way of priming. 
Another way of priming, and this is one of the last ones I'll give you. Um, how many of you walk out of your office during the day and just go 20 minutes on, in the sun? Some of you do. So sunlight for 20 minutes, if you actually look at yourself under a neuroscience machine, actually shifts your brain. And I do it all the time here in Dubai. Like I go out in the sunshine for 20 minutes every day and people think it's the weirdest thing. Um, but I actually send my staff out to do that. Um, when you're stuck, just get up, walk outside, preferably if there's nature, sunlight, 20 minutes, and you don't have to do, you don't have to worry about what you're thinking, whatever. There is just something that nature gave us as a gift to actually shift our brain. And you walk back into the office, and I'm not saying that you're going to be 360 degrees a different person, but scientifically, your body, all that cortisol that you were producing, your body just did a shift for you. So that is one of, those are some of the mechanisms in terms of priming. Um, two others, really quick, and I'll finish up. Um, how many of you have ever gone through an exit interview in a company? A couple of you? A what, what? Exit interview. So you know that there's like yes. this, you know, they're very famous ones by Gallup that, you know, says, uh, did you make any friends at the office? Did you have all the tools to do your job? And one of the things I encourage you to do in your workplace culture, and it's really kind of hacking, is either you can do it yourself. I do it myself. I actually have an email that gets sent to me every day, like at 6 o'clock. Some people find a buddy in the office. And it's this very simple, active question you ask yourself. Come up with like five or 10 things that are really important to you. And answer this question, rating yourself from one to 10 every day. Did you do your best today to, and list the things that are really important that you need to get from your workplace. Did you do your best today to use your talents and gift? Did you do your best today to compliment someone on your team? Did you do your best today? That is taking your day in your hand and making yourself accountable. And every single day, if you get in the habit of doing it, you're going to start recognizing, wait a minute, I was a five on this today, and the next day you're actually going to shift. Because remember, you're a habit. You show up at work, and I know you think you're showing up with all your brain power and your degrees. You're just showing up as a habit. Because we all know you can have all the degrees in the world and have the worst habit and bad attitudes and you're contributing to a negative workplace. But if you hold yourself accountable by asking these types of questions, it's going to really shift the work environment. And my last point is, you know, now that I've given you some tips for you, how do you help the five people, right, that you spend the most time with? So one of the biggest things is when we learn something new, we go into our office and we're like, this is an awesome change and we're gonna do this and nobody listens to you, right? Happens all the time. And you know, I've done it many times. You know, I, I, I consult with companies on this and I go in and it doesn't work and I always wonder why is it not working? Um, and our brain is lazy. So what happens, there is something known as, all our habits are frozen. We freeze it because we don't wanna think. So we just do it automatically. So the only way to transform habits of your colleagues is you're gonna to have to unfreeze, transform, and refreeze. It's a process. And you know you need at least 21 days. <clears throat> now, I've, now you know why 
nobody keeps their New Year's resolutions. Mm -hmm. Many of you don't even last the 21 days doing it consistently. You never built the new neural pathway to say, here's what you're going to do now. Right? So you cannot just transform and convince a friend, I'm doing this thing and here's what you're going to do. You're going to have to unfreeze, and unfreeze is explaining why, how this can be beneficial to them, giving them training. Then you're going to have to transform, go through with them the process of how, and then you're going to have to refreeze. That's the process of any kind of organizational change. Remember that. Anytime you're trying to get somebody to do something and you're just trying to transform them and you can't understand why, it's like telling someone to quit smoking, you've got to be able to do that part. So I will end on that note and um, thank all of you all. I hope some of these ideas sparked your brain a little bit. Um, so um, you are not isolated in your workplace. I'm going to also share with you some books um, you can get on um, some of these things that might be interesting to you. So for those of you, um, Power of Habit, excellent book on the 21 days. For those of you who are interested, um, this is a really, really excellent source. Um, presence, I didn't talk about, uh, about this to you, but one of the ways you prime also, how many of you have ever heard of the Wonder Woman pose? When you're not feeling confident at the office and someone intimidates you, go stand in front of the mirror like this for 10 minutes and then go talk to them. Something in your body shifts. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. There's a famous TED Talk. Go do the TED Talk on it. Excellent book for anybody who's intimidating you at the office. If you have a culture that intimidates, The Wonder Woman Pose is a great book. It's called Presence. Um, triggers, so this is, the, this is really good for you on um, any of you who wants to start up that process about did you do your best today? What is triggering you in the workplace and how do you take control of it? And this one, How to Have a Good Day, I'm not even done with it yet. This is by a McKinsey consultant on uh, workplace. Um, this is an excellent, excellent resource on those of you wanting to shift the work. It's all the neuroscience stuff. but as I said, not like my Harvard text, but much more simple. So questions, and then I will share a little bit about you. Anyone who has the most interesting question will get a copy of my book. <laughs> right? So who has a question? An interesting question. Yes? You were talking about you know, the average people you spend time with. Like yes. Introverted? So um, introverted people, I'm actually introverted. I know it doesn't appear that way, right? But a lot of people assume introverted people are shy. There are a lot of introverted people that are not shy. And here's the difference between an introvert and an extrovert. An introvert does not get their energy from people. They actually get really tired. So they can go out, I can go out, I teach at major universities, I do big talks. After that, I need to go hide away for like a couple of days to recharge. Extroverts get their energy from people. So a lot of us uh, misunderstand what introverts and extroverts are. Introverts are actually your most thoughtful, deep thinkers. So absolutely nothing's wrong with being um, uh, around introverts. 
some of my closest are, are deep thinkers. You know, I have a little nerd group uh, where we just share books and ideas and things we're reading, and you know, so n absolutely nothing's wrong with that. Any other questions?